0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 323. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 323. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Hello, Shameless Moms. Happy Monday. So happy and honored to be here with you. As always, we're going to have some fun today. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Before we dive in, a couple housekeeping items. So first, in case you haven't heard, I announced some special guest speakers for Shameless MomCon. So if you've been like wondering if there's more things coming, yeah, there are. So three amazing special guests that we're going to have come speak at Shameless MomCon. Number one, the one and only Jessica Butts. So Jessica Butts, is she's been on the show before. She is an expert in personality typing, and I've been to multiple events of hers. I listen to her podcast, The Front Seat Life, all the time, and you should too. I actually am in a mastermind group with her now, so we've gotten to be really good friends and she's just someone i adore. Oh, and she also came and into Momentum Mamas and as a guest expert and did a special session for us regarding personality types and relationships and marriage recently. So Jessica talks all about things related to your personality type and how you show up in life in your strengths or your lack of strengths based on your personality type. And it is fascinating. And what i love is that you might be like, "Oh, personality types, it sounds kind of boring." No, like she makes it so fun and funny. She makes you laugh. She makes might make you cry. Like she's phenomenal at her job and I'm so so excited and honored that she's going to be coming to speak at Shameless Momcon. Next we have Renee Meddy. So Renee Meddy also a former guest on the Shameless Mom Academy and Renee is coming to talk about mindfulness. Renee is someone who Kind of, she decided to counter her type A ways by investing in things like silent meditation retreats and things that terrify me. Like going on a 10 day silent meditation retreat sounds like pure torture. And she's done that kind of thing like multiple times. And so she is someone who talks a lot about mindfulness, talks about how to incorporate like taking a breath and a pause in your life to get through tough moments and get through moments where maybe you like, are feeling a lot of stress, a lot of maybe perfectionism, a lot of overwhelm. And she can relate to all of this and she shares her own experiences in recovering from a lot of perfectionism type A control freak kind of ways by using her practices and mindfulness to live a more functional life and live a more happy, joyful life where she feels more fulfilled and less stressed out all the time. So she's phenomenal and she's going to be talking to us at Shameless Mom Con. And then lastly, Leanne Cabot. So Leanne Cabot, also a former guest on the Shameless Mom Academy and Leanne is someone who was introduced to me a couple of years ago, right when I was starting the show, actually. A mutual friend of ours reached out and said, You need to talk to each other. I think you have some things to talk about. And Sarah, Leanne should come on your show. And so I met up with Leanne. Like I never do this, but I met up with her blindly just like because someone said that she should come on the show, which now I like, now I'm like, okay, like what's your story? What's going on? Like what do you want to talk about? Like I have like all this criteria before I will commit to something like this because I of the volume of requests. But at this time I was like, sure, whatever. And. Oh my gosh, I was blown away by the story that Leanne told me. So Leanne had this major medical emergency that started with her passing out in the middle of the night one night while she was home alone with her two children and pregnant with her third. Her husband was out of town on a business trip. She passed out in the middle of the night, basically was paralyzed for a few hours, couldn't move. And as a result of that medical emergency, she was given this really odd diagnosis where a bunch of doctors worked with her for months and like a team of medical experts. And they were like, we can't really figure out what's going on with you, but you have five years to live. And that was 12 years ago. And so when she came on the show on the Shameless Mom Academy, she talks about how she spent a lot of that five years preparing to die. Like that was her job. I'm going to be dying. So here's what a dying person does. And then at a certain point, she realized like, what if I prepared to live? And as she approached this five-year date, when her doctors were like, you're only going to live five years and this date is coming, her life really shifted tremendously. And that was 12 years ago now, and she is still alive and kicking and doing amazing, amazing, impactful things in the world. So she's coming to talk at Shameless Con as well. And I am so delighted and honored that these women are coming. I can't even tell you. like I am pinching myself that they all said yes. It's going to be so amazing. So if you've been waiting, thinking like, "Hmm, I'll see who our special guests might be before I get my ticket. Yeah, the time is now. The time is now, my friend. So I want you to grab a ticket if you haven't already. And know that now that these speakers have been announced that Leanne and Jessica and Renee are going to be sharing the invitation page in their communities as well. And so I expect these last few tickets that we have to go really quickly. So pop over to shamelessmomcon.com if you want to grab a ticket for yourself. Then our second issue of housekeeping, I just have a thank you for those of you who support our sponsors. So here's some behind the scenes stuff that you may or may not know. And you might find kind of interesting because I think that a lot of people who have podcasts or are familiar with podcasts and advertising say like, wow, you have sponsors on your show. You have advertising like that must be really awesome. You make all this money and it's just so great. And here's the thing. It's really awesome to have sponsors. It definitely creates some opportunities and it's a big responsibility. I feel a big sense of responsibility and a big sense of commitment to the brands that I decide to partner with. Every single brand is a brand that I make a conscientious yes to. And it's a responsibility and a commitment. And I do it because two things. First of all, this helps you all support the show. Podcasts are free. I put a lot of time at this point, thousands of hours into this show for free so if i can recoup a little bit of that through having sponsors that is very helpful to me i spent tens of thousands of dollars before i ever made a penny off of this podcast so my first year and a half i didn't make any money in any way off of this show and that took a toll and that was a big risk for me and for my family so when i had the opportunity to start doing sponsorships it was an opportunity for me to recoup some of the costs of starting the show out and so when every time you support a sponsor by buying something that a sponsor that I'm promoting on the show, that supports the show. Because here's the thing, all these ad partners, all these brands, they track the data and the results of every ad campaign. And they tell me the results. And I know which campaigns go well and which ones don't. And I feel a huge sense of responsibility if a campaign doesn't go well. Now, sometimes I just recognize like maybe this just isn't a good fit, but I always try my best because... I only want to bring you brands and opportunities for things that I think will actually have a positive impact on your life. So whether that's just something that will bring you joy and delight or it will bring something that actually like is really, you know, transformational in your life or really supportive in some way, I'm always conscientious that I'm not just like throwing brands on here for no reason. So I want you to just. Be aware of that from behind the scenes because I think sometimes I know when I'm listening to podcasts and I'm like, oh, must be nice. These people are just making millions of dollars from promoting Casper mattresses <laughs> whatever. And it's not the case, first of all. You don't make a ton of money from sponsors. And also the money that you make, it really goes into supporting the show and paying the back-end expenses on the show. So every time you support a sponsor or a brand partner, you are really supporting the show and that means a ton to me. And I just want you to know that I put a lot of weight into picking ad partners that I think are reputable and high integrity, conscientious, all those kinds of things. I'm conscious and conscientious about the brands that I put in front of you. And I always make sure that they have something to offer you. (laughs) Like you're going to get some sort of good deal on it. It's not just like them screaming from the rooftops, come buy my stuff. So I hope that helps a little bit. I know that sometimes people don't understand sponsors and I thought that I should mention kind of how it all works. So with all that said, let's dive into today's show. That was like a big intro, but I hope it got you fired up about some things. (laughs) So I want to let you know that today's show was a topic that was brought to my attention. This has actually come up a couple times in our private Facebook group over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. So this has come up a couple times where people have just asked about like the struggles of being a stay-at-home mom and how there's unique struggles to be a stay-at-home mom. And someone actually sent me a message recently kind of letting me know that a lot of my content seems like it's geared towards working moms. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting because it probably does sound that way, although that's not my intention. Probably because I am a working mom, there's things that I just say and that sound like that. that's more relatable to me because that is my circumstance. And so, I mean, I can't deny that. But at the same time, I think that so much of the content that I create is also very, very relevant to stay-at-home moms. And I recognize like, oh my gosh, I would never want all of you to feel like I wasn't hearing your struggles and having an understanding of what you go through on on a daily basis. And I will say, you should all know about my job history, my resume as a stay-at-home mom. So I decided... My like life's dream was to be a stay-at-home mom for those who are not aware. This is something i had wanted to do my whole life. And I thought, okay, I'm going to build my business. This was one of our gifts of infertility. Like There weren't many gifts. But I mean, of course, my son at the end was a gift. But one of the gifts of infertility is time. And when you're in infertility, time is like pure torture because it goes so slow. But one of those gifts for me was over the course of two years while we were trying to get pregnant, it actually gave me a lot of time to build my business. My gym at the time was my business. So I built this gym so that I could have trainers on site running the business and I could be at home. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should Payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. So- Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes. And now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. Ernan is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Understood, explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And I thought this is going to be great because I can be at home with this new baby and my trainers can be running the gym on site and this will work out perfectly. And so this was my vision for being a stay at home mom. And I will tell you, after that baby was born, I realized it's really, really hard to be a stay at home mom. And It took a toll on me mentally like I just could have never imagined. And it was shocking to me how hard it was and shocking to me how isolating it felt. And it really like, I don't know, it like knocked me over the head. There were just so many surprises around that. And it helped me see a lot of things about my identity, like where I thrive, where I get my energy where I feel most impactful and useful and all those kinds of things. And so for me, and I've heard other people say this too, I've like, for me having interactions with grownups and going to work. Like I remember going back to teach boot camp classes after Vinny was a few months old. And I was like, Oh my God, finally, like I'm finally around grownups. This is amazing. So for me, I recognized how much I needed that. And I had no idea that that was important to me until I was without it. And then I know there's other people who are like, I could just snuggle with my baby all day long and my heart and my head would just be beyond happy. And that works for me. So no judgment either way. I just think that you can't always guess which way you're going to go or how you're going to feel. And you might be somewhere in the middle. You might be like, well, some days I love it and some days not so much. So I tried it out for four months. After four months, when Vinny was still an infant, I just could really tell that, like, my sense of identity, I just felt like this fit was not working with the identity that I had built for myself and that I wanted to continue to pursue. That was like really important to me to continue to build my business and be entrepreneurial and explore new options and be in like a building phase with my business, not a like stay at home and settle down and cuddle with my baby. Although I did enjoy moments of that, there was a lot of it that felt very hard for me though. And I felt very conflicted in it because I'd be laying there cuddling my baby thinking, I really want to go, like, launch a program. Or I really want to go do this thing to, like, you know, start something new at the gym, or, you know, build a new program at the gym, build a new challenge, get new members in the door. Like, it was just very hard for me to shut that part of my brain off, that entrepreneurial, creative space, and I had no idea that I identified so strongly with that part of my brain. So we hired an nanny when Vinny was four months old, and that was the end of my stay-at-home career. And I quickly saw, wow, like, this is what. I need to feel whole, I need to be working and in some capacity. And so we had different versions of what that looked like over the next couple of years between having a nanny and putting Vinny in childcare and all those kinds of things. But I just was able to see what I needed. So that said, I know how hard it is. And I know some of the struggles that I faced. And I know it's funny, because I asked for feedback on Facebook about this. I said, Hey, in our private Facebook group, I said, Hey, for stay at home moms, let me know your biggest struggles. And I have this huge list, which I'm going to share with you in a minute. And a couple of people were like, well, can we also have a list of the struggles of a working mom? And I was like, yes, we'll totally do that too. So I don't have the list of working mom struggles with you today, but I will be able to identify as a working mom with some of the things that would share that perspective. What was so shocking to me though, is that as I was going through this list, I was like, oh my gosh, some of these are so identical to working mom struggles. And so it's interesting. I think that we feel sometimes like there's this great chasm between working moms and stay at home moms. And really, I think we probably are a lot more alike than we think. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the feedback that I got when I asked what your struggles were. And so here is what people said. One responder said that their struggle was feeling fulfilled when it appears other women are killing it in their careers as much as people kindly say it's the most important job, it certainly isn't revered as much as achieving accolades outside of, quote, home life. Another one said, her struggle is not resenting my husband for living his other life outside the house, while at the same time not wanting to relinquish the duties of being the main caretaker. So I thought this was really interesting. And I think it really speaks to the inner conflict. And I think this inner conflict exists for stay-at-home moms and working moms. So this inner conflict about not feeling like your position is revered the same way, not having a sense of achievement, lots of inner conflict about that, resentment toward a partner because they have this whole other life outside of the house. But at the same time, like not wanting to not be a stay-at-home mom or not wanting to not be that primary caretaker... It's just a ton of conflicting emotions. And so as soon as I read like those two responses for me, it got me just immediately into this place of seeing the conflict and the inner turmoil. And I don't think that's unique to stay at home moms. I think that is like the journey of a mother, whether you're working or not. And so I thought that was super fascinating. So here's some other things that came up. And these are more themes than direct quotes. Loneliness, no time for self, others not recognizing it as a job, loss of identity, feeling isolated, not getting enough adult interaction, especially compared to those who work outside of the house, being surrounded by a job that never ends. There's no 5 p.m. stopping time, never having enough time, having accomplishments that aren't measured, shame around not following career aspirations, hard time making other stay-at-home mom friends, feeling invisible like you're not, quote, doing anything feeling like you can't complain because so many others wish they could stay home but you feel like you want to have a space to share the hard parts feeling resentful towards your kids lack of self-worth having partners who don't think they need to pitch in because you're home all day and you should be able to get it all done having enough energy to be a great wife after being so focused on kids and home all day self-doubt around quote am i mothering my kids well enough am i qualified Feeling financially vulnerable about not bringing in income. If something happened to my husband, there would be no income. Feeling guilty about not bringing in money. So trying to bring money in a side gig and then feeling stretched too thin. Worry over about the gap in employment and getting back into the workforce. The weight and the heaviness of all of the household decisions. Feeling like the house and the meals have to be perfect since it's quote your only job. Justifying daily activities and worrying about outside judgment. Not worrying about what other people think, taking responsibility for too much, some self-imposed, some not, not actually playing with the kids because getting so involved in tasks and then frustrated when interrupted by the kids and then feeling guilty. No validation or performance review or raise, feeling pulled in so many directions and having to be engaged with your kids all day long, talking, interacting without having any sort of break. That's a lot, right? That is a lot. So first of all, I just want to recognize like I am seeing you, everyone who participated in this conversation, who contributed to this conversation on the Facebook post I put up. And I'm sure so many of you listening who are stay-at-home moms are like, yes, and that, and yes, and yes, and yes. Like you're just feeling it so relatable. And like I said, some of these things are really, really vulnerable. I mean, I think about the things around worth that feels really vulnerable to me. I think about the pieces around feeling financially vulnerable Also, that really pulls up my heartstrings because I feel like my own money issues, (laughs) if I feel financially vulnerable, that feels very trapping to me. Like I struggle with that for sure. One of the things that rang out to me was not having any breaks, like just having to engage constantly with kids. Like that is a really hard part of it. Also, the feeling that like, this is a conversation that comes up a lot in Momentum Mamas Guilt around the fact that you should be like on the floor playing with your kids all the time. And let's be honest, a lot of moms don't want to be on the floor playing with their kids all the time. <laughs> That's like a part of motherhood that people I feel like no one talks about this. And so working moms, there just not isn't that much time. But like if you're a stay at home mom, I think there's definitely some guilt around am I just supposed to like sit and do puzzles all day? <laughs> or like sit and make play doh? And some people might love that, but for many moms and myself included, we're like, well, I would rather like clean the kitchen than sit on the floor and play with cars, <laughs> you know. So I think there's a lot of self-imposed guilt around what we think it should look like to be a stay-at-home mom versus the reality of it. And this actually came up recently in Momentum Mamas. Someone was asking specifically around like, it's really important to me to keep my house clean, tidy, picked up. And it's a struggle for me when my child wants to play and be engaged and I'm like just really fixated on like wanting to pick up the house and like that's for therapy and that feels cathartic. And this is actually, I've had this conversation multiple times in multiple groups now around this where like that can kind of be an escape. And then you're like, I don't want to do the puzzle. I don't want to do the activity. Like mama just wants to go vacuum. (laughs) And sometimes that feels really good because it's measurable. It's quantifiable. You can like check a box when you do it. And so I think that's a relatable experience, first of all, that playing is not all of our love languages or zone of genius when it comes to parenting. And second of all, that it doesn't check a box. And so, I mean, I would encourage you to like play with my kid for 10 minutes and make a box for that and check it off and then be like, okay, we're done with that for the day. Now I can go, now I'm going to go back, like make it measurable if that makes it feel better to you. I also really relate to this idea that because your partner's working. partner's that everything else falls on you. And I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding in partnerships and marriages around like a partner has a nine to five job, they clock in and clock out, regardless of whether or not, you know, that may or may not be literal, but often they are like, they start their day at a certain time and they end it at a certain time. And often they're in a position to be able to shut it off. Now, of course, there's exceptions to that, but often it's like they come home from work, their work is done, and now they can be like mentally free from that. And when your job, as the other parent, the other person who's staying at home, is to do everything else. It's more than a 40 hour a week job to do everything else. First of all, like it doesn't end at a certain time of day. And it's a constant like running tally in your head, which is very mentally exhausting, mentally compartmentalizing all the things that need to be done all the time because it doesn't just fill this one category of like go to work and build my career in this direction. Now, of course in a career you're gonna have like different categories of that and different things you're doing on the job when you're there. But there's also this sense that you can turn it off, you can go home, and you can get away from it, and that you can't do that when you're at home. And we know from the research done that staying at home is actually many more hours a week than 40 hours a week in terms of the time it takes to stay at home, take care of the kids, maintain a household. And there's also the mental load of the person who's in that family manager role, which I've talked about before. And I talked about on the episode around the mental load of motherhood, that the mental load is it never dissipates. It never goes away. Like it's just always there. And that's very different, I think, than someone who comes home at five o'clock and is like, "Whew, ready for some dinner, (laughs) ready for a drink. (laughs) I'm going to chill out and watch some TV. Like that's just very, very different. So I think that those pieces are really important to acknowledge and really important for us to see. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. I also, in terms of relatability or in terms of like comparison to working parents, I also think that there's a lot of not enough mindset that is shared by both communities. Not enough time, not enough energy being stretched too thin. I'm worried about parenting the right way or the best way in either capacity. So the stay at home mom might be worrying that like, well, I really honestly would rather clean my house and organize things than play with my kid. And the working mom is like, I'm at work all day and like, I hardly have any time to play with my kid. And so like both groups are like, I'm a really bad mom. (laughs) And regardless of whether or not, like if you're spending eight hours a day with your kid or 16 hours a day with your kid, or like an hour and a half a day with your kid, we all feel like we're bad moms, right? We all carry around this guilt. I'm going to be doing an episode on the myth of mom guilt soon. Maybe it's either next week or the week after, because I think that we're really programmed to feel guilty And men aren't, by the way, but we are culturally programmed to feel guilty as women and moms. And so I think that no matter what side you're on, whether you're working or staying at home, you just rack up like these guilt points. Like These are the 18 things I feel guilty about every single day, and it really sucks. And we also track this. We track it must be nice. For the other side, it must be nice for those working moms who can walk out the door and they don't have to deal with every tantrum. Or it must be nice for those stay at home moms who don't have to get back on email at nine o'clock at night. So I think like we do it both ways where we get in this it must be nice mindset about the other side of the equation. And that doesn't help anyone's cause. And then I think another really important part of this is around identity. And I think, again, I think there are struggles with identity for working moms and stay-at-home moms. But I think that the identity piece for a stay-at-home mom, this came up in some of these comments, the identity around like this is quote-unquote like you're not doing anything or that it's your quote-unquote only job or the struggle and identity with like having a career gap and trying to go back into the workforce. And then you're trying to figure out like how am I marketable and where do I fit in here now as things have changed in the last X amount of years. So I think there's this big identity component and that I think is a big struggle and I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves around that. And for working moms, I think there's a heightened level of awareness around identity because you think, okay, so if I'm going to spend all this time away from my kids, is this what I really want to be doing? Is this worth it? Am I building the identity that is the most impactful or the most meaningful to me or brings me the most joy? Because I've talked about this before. I think there's a lot of times where we have really big career shifts and mindset shifts around career As a result of motherhood, because we have this idea and this new construct in our head around like, if I'm going to work or not work, but if I'm going to, like, how does motherhood shift my identity? And I've talked about this. I've talked with multiple lawyers about this, where they're like, I'm not going to work 70 hours a week in a job that I hate at the expense of my family life and my child's, like, and giving attention to my child. Now, there might be other people who are like, I love my job. I love being a lawyer. It's amazing. And I'm totally, you know, that's what I want to do. That's really important to me. So again, like this isn't a thing about judgment, but I think that we have a shift in perspective in terms of what we're willing to sacrifice and the identities that we're building in relationship to what we're willing to sacrifice after we have kids. And I think that's really important to address as well. And so whether you're working or not, the identity piece is really significant. And I think that if you're not working, how do you build an identity as a stay-at-home mom. And I think that this is a missing link for a lot of stay-at-home moms. It was certainly a missing link for me. What is my identity? If I no longer am a gym owner, if I'm no longer building a business, who am I? And that's when I really realized the significance of that identity for me. And you can wrap an identity around being a stay-at-home mom. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that can be your power. That can be your superpower. Absolutely. And... You also might find that there's other things, other components to your identity that you really want to, you know, thrive in. And so whether that is in having some sort of side hustle or having hobbies or having a book club, having a knitting circle, having a photography hobby or taking a photography class or learning how to like throw pottery, like it can be so many different things, making jewelry. I mean, it can be a million different things and you can decide if you want to make it a business or not. Like it certainly doesn't have to be something that is monetized, but I think being clear around what is my identity so that you can embrace that. And you might be like, my identity right now is mommy. And that's totally fine. Or you might be like, Oh my gosh, my identity. Like I'm not cool with my identity only being mommy. Like that does not fill me up. So I have to find something else and that's fine too. And, or you might be like me where you're like, mama needs to work because mama has like some identity issues around that. Like that, that is really where I thrive. And I had no idea, by the way, like I had no idea that that was such a significant part of my identity. So. I think that it's really important to tap into that as well. So the last couple things I want to say, just like a couple words of support. First of all, I want us to get rid of the, it must be nice attitudes that we hold towards the opposing group and opposing is a strong word, but towards that we hold towards populations that are doing the opposite of us. So, For stay-at-home moms to think it must be nice for moms that get to get up and escape their kids every day. And for working moms who think it must be nice to just lay at home and have baby cuddles all day. For us to let go of that because there are struggles and sacrifices on both sides, for sure, 100%. The other piece is I think that you have to find your people and build community wherever you're at. And so I've talked about this before in relationship to when I had Vinny and he was a teeny tiny baby and I had all these friends who had three-year-olds and they would try to give me advice and I was like, I can't take advice from you, Mika. They were like, I know it's really hard, but like it goes fast and if the first year flies by. And I mean, that first year was slow as mother frickin' molasses for me. So for these friends, I love them. I love them dearly. They're all still good friends of mine. But for them to tell me and advise me from the perspective of someone parenting a three-year-old who was kind of missing baby snuggles and thinking like, holy cow, time goes so fast. I can't believe it. That wasn't helpful for me to hear. Like I needed a different kind of support. And I found that in being in parent groups with people who had tiny babies born at the same time as my son. And I ended up in two groups like that, that were like the saving grace because I was the same place at the same time as these other moms. And that made all the difference for me to have people who were in a common experience, a shared experience, and like were bonded for life, these two groups of people. So that piece I think is essential. And You have to take responsibility for finding that for yourself or building it. And so a couple ways to do that, you can look in your area on Facebook and look for mom groups in your area, in your neighborhood. In Seattle, there's multiple parent groups divided by neighborhood. And there's people on there who get on all the time who are like, hey, I have two kids. They're two and four. And we love to go to the park. Like, is there anyone who'd want to have a standing play date Wednesdays at 10 a.m.? And like 13 other moms will chime in. And then they end up doing these like ongoing meetups. That's taking radical responsibility for stepping out of your struggles a little bit and flipping the story, changing the story, rewriting the story so that you have connection. Because here's the thing that happens when that happens, you get to be seen. And I actually talked about this when I was doing my keynote speech in Michigan last weekend that you have to be in a community where you can be seen and You have to find those places. And so, whether you're joining an existing community or building one on your own, that's going to be really, really important for your identity because you have to be in that place where you can be seen for what you are, who you are as is. So, if you, all your mom friends, are working moms and you all go out for happy hour, you're not going to be able to contribute to the conversation in the same way. It's not going to be relatable. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Do that, sure. But then also, have the people who are in the same place at the same time as you. Because when you are with those people, you get to be seen in a very different way. So I know I have like such admiration for this mom in Vinny's kindergarten class. She recently organized some moms getting together for drinks. And she took this on and it was kind of like a massive undertaking because it kind of grew and got to be a whole bunch of people. And I was like, yes, like, she's not waiting for someone to invite her into community. She is building the community so that we could all show up and we could all be in this place of like, Hey, we all have kids in kindergarten. And that's a specific community. That's a place where we can all connect over a shared experience and we can all be seen based on the shared experience. And especially cause we all have kids in the same school and all those kinds of things. Like that was really, really fun for me. And I, I was kind of laughing like afterwards I was like, that felt like such a good outlet to just be able to connect with people who are in this shared experience. And we know we're probably going to all be in this shared experience together for the next nine years if we all stay in the same school. And so it was a place to start building this bond of we're in this together. Here's the start line. like Let's keep going and keep growing from here. And that feels really, really good. And so there's all sorts of areas for you to have different kinds of relationships. Find the places where you can be seen in this situation, especially the most vulnerable situation that you're in right now. I think that is very, very important. So I hope that this was helpful. I would love feedback on this episode. If this was impactful to you or you have more to add to the conversation, definitely chime in over on Instagram, over on Facebook under this episode posting or over in our free Facebook group over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. Because I think this is a really important conversation. And for those of you who've reached out to me, who've said like, hey, what about us stay-at-home moms? Like we want our own episode. I hope this was helpful, I hope you feel seen. I absolutely appreciate the opportunity to do some research on this and hear your collective voices through my very informal survey on Facebook, through our Facebook group. But I really appreciate the opportunity to see you all a little more vividly and hear what your struggles are like and just the opportunity to highlight what life is like in your world. And know that when I'm speaking to all of you, I'm speaking to all of you. So I am not speaking just to working moms. I'm speaking to all moms. Because like you've seen, as I've talked through some of these things, there's some commonalities here. There's commonalities around guilt and around worth and around, am I enough? And am I a good enough mom? And all those kinds of things. Am I like serving my partner? Is it normal? to be this exhausted. Like we all think that, right? So we are definitely all in this together and I want to really highlight that piece of it as well. So thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate you.